Hello, my friend, and welcome to the Mark Stuchowski Podcast, the show that's all about helping you perform at an optimum level. I am Mr. Productivity, and it is my obsession to teach you how to be a more productive version of you. And one of the ways I do that is by giving away my top five productivity tips. If you want them, just go to my website, mrproductivity.com, M-I-S-T-E-R, Mr. Productivity.com. On the show today, Jeff Gargas, we're going to have a very enlightening conversation about education in America and the world today. You're going to hear some things that I personally have never heard about education and about learning. A fascinating conversation with Jeff Gargas. Jeff, welcome to the show. Mark, thanks for having me, man. I'm excited to talk to you today. Yeah, I'm excited too because I don't think I've had anybody on the show with the topic we're going to talk about, but we're going to make people – well, I should say I want to keep them in suspense, but they probably read the (laughs) title to the episode, so they know what we're going to talk about. But why don't you take about 20 seconds or so, tell us who you are and what you do. Yeah, so my name is Jeff Gargas. I'm the uh, COO and one of the co-founders of a, a group called the Teach Better Team uh, on teachbetter.com. We uh, we work with uh, educators, teachers, administrators, anywhere in the education world, uh, schools and districts to help teachers teach better. Uh, you know, we really where we really are. We we imagine a world where every educator is connected, supported, and inspired to be better every day, uh, so that their learners can discover their passion and develop those passions to positively impact the communities in the world. Right. And so we do this via typically what we call professional development, PD trainings, workshops. Uh, we do this in person, not as much right now because of COVID obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we, we also have online courses. We create a lot of content. We do free events. Actually last night, we just had an awesome uh, free networking event where we had breakout sessions, essentially like a little mini uh, virtual conference was really focused on networking and building your, your PLN, you know, your professional learning or personal learning network. And uh, we create as much as we can opportunities, support groups and Facebook and other things like that and coaching with educators to help them be better. Uh, every day for their students so that they can then try to reach more students and help students uh, achieve and succeed more. So why did you create this business? I mean, did, were you sitting around one day and you recognized the problem or tell us a little bit how you came up with this idea? Yeah. So it actually kind of started with, uh, or it started with uh, my co-founder, Chad Ostrowski was a seventh grade science teacher uh, in Canton, Ohio, which is, uh, you know, a little bit south of Akron, Ohio, which is a little bit further south of Cleveland, Ohio, depending on what you do or do not know in Ohio. Uh, and uh, he's actually right next to the football hall of fame. Maybe some people will know that one. Um, so Chad, Chad was a teacher, very good teacher. He was in a very high needs, difficult uh, um, district and had what he would tell you is probably is the worst year of his life. And, uh, got to the point where he decided he either needed to figure out how to teach better or he needed to figure go figure out something else to do with his life because mm. he was just at that point. And so many teachers get there. So that relates with so many teachers. And he created something for himself out of desperation of how he needed to change things because he looked and found the research that said that mastery learning and personalized learning was the answer to a lot of the problems he was having, but he couldn't figure out how to utilize it in his classroom. So he created a framework for how his classroom would run that we now call the grid method. And it's sort of our bread and butter, like our Big Mac, as I describe it, right? It's what most people know us for. And uh, he and I know each other from a past life back when I used to run a, I had a record label that I ran and he was one of my artists that I managed. Uh, So we knew each other. Uh, Then he went off to become a teacher. I went off and created an online marketing firm. And uh, when he decided he started getting 
conversations with his uh, teachers. He started having so much success that other people in his district, his building, were stopping him in the hallway, asking questions. His principal was telling people, go see what Ostrowski's doing. Um, and he, he came to me and he said, hey, he goes, I think I got something here. I'd really like to share it, but I, I don't know how to do that. Like, can you help me create an ebook? Maybe I can just put it up online and then they can go read it, get the basis, and they can just ask me like easier follow up questions. And I said, all right, good. So, you know, I tell the story. I drove around my neighborhood in circles for like an hour or so in the rain at night one night. And he's telling me what this thing had, what these changes had done for him as a teacher, for his students, but also for him as a, as a father and a husband and sort of the internal, like, you know, or my uh, inspirational words, uh, you know, that the team jokes about is that I looked at, I talked to him, I said, dude, we're not just doing an ebook. We've got to do something different. We've got to share this with people. Like this isn't an accidental thing. Other teachers are now utilizing this and seeing the same success. And uh, so we met at a, a Buffalo Wild Wings over a whole bunch of wings and we chatted out and I said, I think, you know, we need to create an online course. We need to start creating content. We need to start sharing this. And so that's sort of where it happened. Actually, at that point in my life, I'd actually like I'd gotten to the point where I was doing OK in that my current business. But I had started a lot of different businesses at that point, And I've had a, I had a lot of challenges, a lot of failures. I was trying to tell myself that I was, I was done starting businesses, that I needed to go find something. And then this hit and I'm like, nope. Like I just got that feeling. I didn't know. Um, I, I thought maybe it might take a few, you know, several years for us to be able to develop things. And, and we just started going. Uh, and now we've grown. Everything started as the grid method. It shifted uh, about two years ago. We did a, a, a brand change to teach better because we realized we were doing a lot. We were doing so much more than just the grid method. And, and now, and it became around this whole idea of Chad realizing he needed to find a way to teach better. But also from day one, Chad said, I never want to go into a teacher's room and say, you're not doing it right. You're mm-hmm. not a good teacher. This is how you do it. I never want to do that. But I wanted to go say, hey, this is something that helped me be better. And maybe it can help you be better. Let me show you. And so it's all about this teach better mindset of just a little bit better today than tomorrow or than yesterday, and a little bit better tomorrow than today. Even if it's just a really little bit better, that's mm-hmm. okay. So that's it's- sort of where, where it kind of all came from. It's interesting because I'm 55, so I graduated in 1983, and I remember uh, through the 70s and 80s when I went to school, uh, there's no consistency. There's some teachers I love. They knew how to teach. They had a passion for teaching, and I had one alcoholic teacher, which is hysterical. I'll never forget him. His name is Mr. Lippa. He was an algebra teacher, and he was always intoxicated, and he used to wear these color-coordinated outfits. He wore the, the I was from Rochester, New York, so he'd wear these you know sweaters and these pants and he always this is going back chalk chalkboard okay and he always leaned <laughs> against the chalkboard when he turned around to write an equation on the board he had all this chalk on the back it's it kind of funny <laughs> but he and i remember one time I, I really bombed a test with his and i got like nine to ten questions wrong and i got a 90 I'm like thank you <laughs> so my point was is that all <laughs> yeah, go figure uh there's consistency issues through all of school through elementary and we had junior high i guess they call it middle school here in texas do they call it middle school or junior high up in where you are um you'll get both actually okay. around here we, get, we we have elementary we have middle school sometimes you have yeah junior yeah. Yeah, high school. Well, I'm from it was, it was elementary, junior high, senior high. That's the way it worked. But yeah. it was interesting how I never went through an entire grade where all the teachers were like spot on. There's always one mm. teacher that was really awesome and one teacher that was, why are you teaching? And everybody kind of bundled in the middle. And it sounds like what you guys are doing is because obviously if, you, if you're not communicating correctly, 
to the students, number one, not going to learn. Number two, they're not going to have an interest in the topic. I remember one class I took, a guy, was he was absolutely in love with Japan. His whole room was decked out in Japanese culture. And he, because his enthusiasm of Japan came through his teaching, we're all like, I can't wait to get to this guy's class. Now, it's interesting. I can remember the alcoholic teacher's name, but I can't remember this teacher I really like's name. It's kind of ironic. <laughs> but I really like going his class because he would tell us some of the things that like were in the textbooks, and he really mm-hmm. loved it. So so talk to us a little bit about what are some of the things you teach these these teachers and how to teach better? So one of the biggest things and the biggest shifts that, and that we really – preach and, and talk to is is this shift uh, of focus from being your focus of being covering content or delivering content or focusing on uh, delivery of the content and being the, the expert in a room to becoming a facilitator of learning so you know chad always says you know it, those who are listening uh, i'll hold up my phone so you can you can visualize in your head but if you think as a teacher your job is to stand up there and deliver content to students you've been replaced by this thing by your phone because okay. there's literally nothing i can't look up on google right now right i can get the content in 500 different medium forms right but what i can't get is you right what i actually need as a student is for you to help facilitate my learning help me become a better learner so that I know how to find the right information, how to how to determine whether a source is reputable or not, how to uh, find citations and make sure it's the right thing, how to then utilize that information that I'm gathering and put it into some sort of practice into my life so I can see how it connects, right? So it's this new facilitation of learning. And then also the other piece that you mentioned also is that also now allows you to bring your passion into because now you're just you're helping them you're helping learn uh, helping them become learners so that then you become a learner as you get older like i i believe one of the most important things we can teach students outside of your basic fundamental like actual life skills and and being able to read write things of that nature is the ability to google things and i don't mean necessarily google with google.com but google in a term of like how do you go research and teach yourself things because mm. i i'm a three-time college dropout who now works with teachers <laughs> Like put that one on. I've also taught two years at Kent State University as an adjunct professor with where all of my students had more formal education than I did. Now, I don't condone that. That's not a recommendation by any means. But for me, college was not the right route. And I tried to go there because I was quote unquote supposed to. But I've been able to do what I've done in my life. And and, I've, and the reason I didn't do well in college, because I could Google it faster. I could mm-hmm. go find it faster. And I was like, why am I sitting here? I want to go do things. I want to build things. I want to create. And I can't because you're talking at me. I'd rather go Google it. Where if you could facilitate with me, okay, great, you've Googled it, Jeff. Now how are we going to use it? Let's have a conversation. Now I'm, I'm now I'm with you. I'll spend all day with you at that point. So that's a big shift. The other big shift is this focus on completion of task versus mastery of content. So if you think back to when you were in school, yeah, you, you know you had to you had to finish a, a, a worksheet, right? And you had to turn that worksheet mm-hmm. in. That was the most important thing, right? But when you got your, if you got an A back or a C back or an F back, your class moved on the next day anyway, right? Yep. So if you think about that as a young kid who may be in, you know, first, second grade, whatever, learning, uh, uh, you know, plus and minus, addition and subtraction. If I say, Mark, what's two plus two? And you're like six. And I say, that's wrong. But tomorrow we're doing multiplication. You're done, <laughs> right? You're lost. You're yes. never going to get there. And that's what happens. And we get these kids that by the time we get to middle school or high school that we label as not smart challenging, difficult. Uh, they, you know, they, they read at a second grade level. Well, the problem is that at second grade, there was a gap form. We never closed it mm. because we just kept moving along. Cause we said, well, I covered the content. They did the work. They just didn't learn anything. 
So master learn focuses on, wait a minute, no, Mark doesn't move on until he can show you that he understands that. And if that means that Jeff moves on faster, that's okay. Mark needs to continue to learn it. You need to intervene, which by the way, if I'm not at the front of the class delivering the content, I can do that because maybe Jeff or Susie who gets it really quick doesn't need me because they can access the content and they're moving on. And I can spend a little bit of time with Mark or this group of kids who's struggling with two plus two, right? Now I can get them where they want to be and we can close those gaps. The trouble is mastery learning can be scary because if you think about 30 kids in a room potentially doing 30 different things, that's like what nightmares are made of, right? <laughs> that's where Chad's infrastructure of the grid method came in. And that's why, why that's one of the big things we do because it, it's, it's a framework. So it's not a curriculum. It's not a tech tool. It's a framework for organizing and, and effectively implementing mastery-based personalized learning with students in their classroom. So you start meeting the kids where they're at versus where we think they're supposed to be based on the time they spent in the seat. I love that because the the big things. Yeah, I love that because I'm thinking back because you mentioned, you know, you're studying for the test, you're studying for the worksheet, you're studying for the project, and then you forget about it. And of course, you have finals, you're cramming to just pass the finals and you walk out and like, I don't know what I just did. I don't remember anything. What's interesting is I've always been a fan of history, but I didn't like, oh, I have to take an exam on it or write a report. Now I'm now I can read and learn at my at my own leisure. But to your point, there are some people who shouldn't be writing books because their books are written like a VCR. Uh, that's a dated technology mark, like an iPhone manual. They don't have iPhone manuals, but you know where I'm going at. All right, they're very boring. They're very analytical. Yes. Um, one of the people I love reading from is Bill O'Reilly. Now, not the political side. He used to be a mm-hmm. history teacher. When you read his Killing series, you're like, wow, I'm learning. I'm reading right now. I'm reading Killing Patton. I'm learning stuff about World War II I never learned before. Because he is passionate about teaching you. And I think if the author or the teacher, the instructor, in my case, the trainer, if they're not passionate, because you're, you're, what you said was completely on board. Anybody can go Google how to be more productive. Mm-hmm. It's out there. But they love my personality because I'm kind of a goofball. You know, I don't edit myself. I don't edit the podcast. I interrupt myself. Like I've already done several times already on the show today. People love that. I talk real fast. I use the wrong word. They want to hear my enthusiasm. Okay. Prime example, I tell everybody, if you don't think enthusiasm matters, go get the audio book of Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. For whatever reason, Stephen Covey decided to read the book himself. The guy's got no tone at all. It's like a robot. And he had the money. He could have paid a professional announcer. Now, guy's a genius, genius, but he shouldn't have read his own book. Okay. So my point is, it does matter. If you you don't want in the year 2020, where you know this is July 16, 2020, people can find to your point anything you want in Google, but they want to learn from the people who are passionate about it. Who, when they watch the video or read the book or listen to the podcast, like wow, this guy really loves this stuff because the information's out there, but not not there is not something there's something for everyone okay so some people may like look i want to learn productivity but i want to get a woman coach that's fine i'm not for Mm -hmm. you obviously but i think it comes down to i love how you said it's not about completing the task it's about mastery and we all learn at different speeds and i think that's key not only for education but when you're out in the world after you finished your higher education when you learn you will you will gravitate toward people who you resonate with and you're going to learn more from Absolutely. And, and I think, so absolutely agree with all that. I love that. Uh, and one of the passions that we try to instill in teachers, because sometimes, unfortunately, t- sometimes teachers don't, they, they, aren't, they aren't able to teach what they're truly passionate about, because 
they need a job. They got to get in, right? So they might be a math teacher, but they maybe they're passionate about history, but the way they got in that district was math or they have to help out with math or whatever. What we try to instill is be excited about the fact, be excited about helping kids learn, be excited about being a learner, right? And be, I, I think another reason why people like you and love the fact that you don't edit this is that you're authentic. This is you. This isn't an edited version of Mark. This is you, like real you, goofball you, whatever. <laughs> and so your passion comes through, but also like your hu- humanity comes through, like your, your humanness comes through, your mistakes come through, your ums, your buts, all the stuff that we're having going on right now. As a teacher, for so long, teachers have thought that, oh, I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to know everything. I'm supposed to be the expert in room like this. But what students would really gravitate to is when you say, you know what? I don't know that. Let's figure that out together. Yes. I'm excited right now because we're going to learn this together. Yes. You know, this is great. You know, I, I love this, but you know what? Let's really dive in. That was a great question because now I'm showing you as a, as a seventh grade student, eighth grade student, whatever, that even though I'm supposed to know everything, I don't. And that's okay. And let's work together to learn. So you can see that I'm going to grow because guess what? When you're done with 12th grade, you're nowhere remotely near done growing, right? <laughs> Ain't that the <laughs> truth. <laughs> right? Like, so, you know, I'm, I'm about to hit 38. I'm still light years away from anywhere remotely near done growing, right? I won't be yep. done on the day I die. So, like, that I think is really, really important for them to realize that at, at 30, at 40, at 50, you're not going to have it figured out. You're going to keep learning. You're just learning different things, and mm. that's okay. And so I think that passion is, is really important. I think the passion has to be there as a teacher. Your passion has to be for trying to learn and grow with the students so that they become learners, regardless of the, of the content. Now, with that being said, if you're in a spot where you're passionate about the content, awesome. That's just like another layer of, mm. of awesome on top of that for sure. So um, I remember yeah. when I graduated high school, and I'm like, great, four more years of learning. No, because I graduated <laughs> high school. I graduated college. It's like, oh, I have to keep learning. Well, someone says, <laughs> well, you don't, but you'll become irrelevant. Uh, you get a yeah. choice. Uh, you'll you'll just become further behind. Uh, I mm-hmm. want to ask you, how do you think COVID nineteen is going to affect education? I mean, right now, you know, we're in middle of July. No one knows it's a day by day thing. No one knows if it's what's happened in nineteen eighteen. Is this all of a sudden going to stop? No one knows. And mm-hmm. some schools say they're going to open with social distancing and wearing masks and alternate days. Some schools said they're not going to open. Uh, how do you think that? And of course, now some schools are even doing online. So, how do you think COVID pandemic is going to affect education going forward? Well, it already affected a lot right now. Like you know, teachers had to, and I, don't, I think people realize they they seem to realize that at first, and now they seem to already forgot what teachers did back in March. Is they at a drop? I mean, it was a drop of a hat. It was like, hey, guess what? No school for the next at least two to three weeks. You need to figure out how to have class on zero time to figure that out. And a lot of people get confused, even if you have a very tech savvy teacher that uses a lot of technology in his or her classroom, just because she's really good at using tech in her classroom doesn't mean she knows how to complete, create in a complete technology virtual classroom. It's mm-hmm. very different than using it to enhance your in-person yes. instruction. So even for those very tech savvy teachers, that was a hard transition. So then you go to the ones that had fought tech and didn't like tech, like they had to <laughs> over was amazing that they were able to flip it and even have any kind of um, impact on the kids. Now we're in this uh, this this moment where, like you talked about, like it's changing. I think you said day to day. I think it's hour to hour. We literally had a we do a mastermind with administrators from all over the country. And yesterday we had one that got in about ten minutes late, and he's like, "Hey, I'm sorry, I was on a call because we just got word from our district what we're doing in the fall." Mm. So I was planning and stuff, and I lost track of time. By the end of our hour long, so sixty minute long. <laughs> 
a mastermind, he had gotten another email and they scrapped the whole plan and changed it. So it was hour to hour, complete different thing. And it's just, wow. it, it's happening because you get new information from the CDC, new information from the government, pressure from different political parties and everything, like all these things that play into it, the community speaking up and going against what you might've put out and then you have to change. So I think a couple of things that we're going to see is we're going to see a lot. I, I think you're going to see a lot of shift to uh, a lot of virtual learning because I think even the schools that want are going to go back, there has to be some form of it because even if your school goes back, that doesn't mean all your kids are going to go back. Most of the schools, districts that we're talking to, and we work with districts from all, actually all over the world, but primarily the United States, are surveying their, their community. And most parents, I mean, you're, we're seeing numbers anywhere from 25% to 75% of parents saying, I don't care what you do. My kid's not coming back to school unless there's a vaccine and we know it works. Period. Well, it's interesting. You just I, I want to interject here because some classes, uh, like I went to college, you, you have physics, chemistry, biology lab. You have to actually go in the lab. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. want to go back to uh, if you read the great influenza from John Barry. He talks about when medicine first started. He does a whole history before the the influenza happened. When medicine was first started in this country, you didn't. Your doctor did not do anything in terms of autopsies or working on patients or anything. And that's scary to think about, but you, you would you want a doctor to operate on you that's never touched another human being? And so some things you have to have a lab for, but yep. some things I think are more, you know, maybe history classes, English classes and stuff like that. You could do virtual. So maybe we're going to have a hybrid uh, approach. Mm-hmm. Is that what you think? Yeah, I, I think that's what you're really going to see. I, I really think it's going to have a, a bigger impact on on higher education, on collegiate education, because I think a lot of students have figured out, and and this goes both ways, but I think a lot of students have figured out that I can learn this online. I don't need to come to class. Mm -hmm. And so maybe I don't need to pay this massive tuition cost. I don't need to live on campus. And I think college is going to have to change because they're going to realize that or else I think they're going to go out of business. I think they're just going to, they're not going to have the enrollment. I think a lot of other students have figured out, no, I, I need that. I need that in-person instruction. Mm-hmm. And then they'll do that. But I think you were right. I think we're going to see a blended model a lot more. I think you're going to see where maybe it's one or two days in class. Maybe the only classes that come into that college university are ones that require labs, right? And maybe that's spaced out where there's five days of labs, but it's only two to three people in that classroom at a time, right? Um, which is more on the professor. So you got to figure out all those logistics and stuff too. But then the rest is is online. We, we were talking one of our admins yesterday where they're doing students are in two groups based on their choice. They either want to come, or I'm sorry, there's three groups based on their choice. They either want to come to school or they don't. If they want to come into the school, they're separated in two groups that are going to do split days, right? Two mm-hmm. days a week. Uh, off and on. And then the third group is people who want to only be online. They're going to be, the teachers will be in class for the full school day, but the first half of the day will be for that groups A and B that are in person. The second half of the day is for the teachers to give the virtual lessons online and provide those students so that all the kids have access to the same uh, content, the teachers, real time, the teachers can have quote unquote normal schedules and that they, that they have that. So you're seeing versions like that. You're seeing other ones where, they, they're taking this group of teachers and they are the online teachers. So all the kids are going to be spaced out amongst those seven, 10, whatever teachers there. And then everyone else is coming with that. Most schedules we're seeing split uh, or, you know, ABC groups, whatever with kids. So you're seeing a lot of this hybrid. What we're trying to teach, tell teachers to do is what I've been screaming is they've got to plan for and create the best experience possible mm-hmm. in the most restrictive environment, meaning hundred percent online. How can I deliver the best experience possible if we are 100% online? And once you've established that, now you can say, okay, 
if I get two days a week in class, how do I enhance that? All right, great. If I get five days in class, how do I enhance it again, right? But I got a plan for here, and I think you're going to see a lot of that. What I think, or a lot of what's going to come out is that I think, I think eventually this is going to get rid of the the state requirement of days and hours and stuff in classrooms because I don't think that's going to matter. And I hope that that means it's going to be a shift to mastery of content, which is where it should be anyway. Um, that says that it doesn't matter whether Mark spends 180 days in his seat or checking in online or not, or that he spends six and a half hours a day doing schoolwork or not. Did he master the standards that he's supposed to master? And if he did, who cares? So we have a vision that's much our big time vision is that there actually we would get rid of all grade levels. There would be no such thing as grade levels. You'd just be mastering content because why should a third, fourth, fifth, sixth grader that can do 12th grade trigonometry not do that if that's where they're at? Yes. You know, they're mentally, right? That's by not allowing that student to get there. And sometimes they can skip class or whatever, but if they were never allowed to grow, we may not recognize that they could get there, right? Talk about those gaps for them or it's the other way too. If we hold a a, a student who's gifted in advance and can go faster back because we have to wait for others. That person's never really f- meeting their full potential, which means that's the kid that that could be curing cancer, but we're not allowing that person to yes. because we wouldn't let him or her learn biology because they were only in, supposed to be in seventh grade, right? And so there's a the, it goes both ways, and that master learning allows it allows them to go both ways. Those students that need more time can take the time. Those students that that can go faster can go faster. And then the students in the middle or wherever they're at to be, everyone's where they're supposed to be. Um, so I think you're going to see a lot of, I hope that we see a lot of shift to that. You're definitely going to see blended hundred uh, percent. You're going to see a lot of blended uh, classrooms, which were already a thing. A lot of teachers like blended learning. There are schools that do blended learning. So I think you can see that happen more and more and more. Um, I think college universities were better prepared for it. Cause they have a, like a lot of them already have online classes anyway. Yeah. Um, a lot of them have blended type classrooms where you might take one or two days online and you meet once a week. Uh, but you're absolutely spot on things like, I mean, you can't, you're not gonna learn surgery, not perform it. Right. Not until the day that the robots do surgery and you just point it. Right. Um, so yeah, like you need to be able to, you know, if you're in the medical field and you need to learn, you know, to work on cadavers and and dive in, like you need that. Right. Yeah. Um, cause yeah, you're right. I don't want a doctor operating on me. I saw a a YouTube video. I know how to do this. (laughs) No, we don't want that. (laughs) Well, what's interesting is even before COVID hit, I used to, I used to volunteer at my church's uh, youth group and you know, when I went to school, it was back in the – I went to start as college in 1984, and everybody went to college. Now, when someone says, well, what do you think about college? I'm like, okay, why do you want to go to college? Because if you want to be app developer, you don't have to go to college. If you want to be a doctor, you have to be, go to college. If you want to be a lawyer, you have to go to college. Okay, so I think before you start looking for colleges, you need to figure out what you want to be when you grow up. And I think too many yes. people are in a rush. It's it's too expensive. College is too expensive to go there for the experience. Okay, you need to figure out what you want to be. And if you don't know, then I think you should uh, maybe go work at this company. Oh, that's not for me. Then go work at this company. Okay, I found my niche. Now we'll get more training. But so many yes. people are putting the cart before the horse. Go do stuff. Yes, I've done so many things that I. That- that I should have done right after high school, but I did while I was doing through college, which means I dropped out, which means, by the way, I have a bunch of college debt still without a college degree. <laughs> bad, bad method to take, right? Uh, and I was fortunate to have a family that I grew up in a good family, good neighborhood. I was able to have opportunities and stuff. But if you think about it, we're asking people to make life decisions at 17, 16 even, right? That's ridiculous. I'm 38. I barely know what I'm doing with my life, right? Like, I mean <laughs> – 
we started this business six years ago. So five years ago is when I figured out, I'm like, oh, this is where I'm supposed to be. Like, this is what it was all for, right? It took me a while to get there. Um, and some people know, and that's fine. You know, you figure it out. But like, absolutely. I wish I would have went and tested things out and, and worked a bunch of different places and started businesses and tried things and failed at things and stuff. And then said, oh, that's where I want to go. I'm going to go. Now I'm going to go to school or I don't need to go to school, right? And I think that's really important. So one of the things that we also do work with schools is trying to get those conversations happening at a much younger age so they can start testing things much younger. So then start learning things that, that, that give them opportunities to connect with businesses and, and shadow people and do these types of things so you can learn and grow. But I think, you know, same with me. Like I went to college because that's what I was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. It's pretty simple. Like I, yeah. I, I got good grades in, in high school. I had a supportive family. We were able to afford college. Like, so I was supposed to go to college. That's what I was supposed to do. <laughs> My dad busted his butt, put himself through college so that we could have opportunities. I was supposed to go to college, but really I wasn't, I shouldn't have. Yeah. And, and I wish, and then this isn't, there's no blame on parents or anything of that nature. That's not what I'm saying, but I wish that the system would have been different to recognize that I had an entrepreneurial spirit in me and that I should have pursued that route. I yes. should have been on the test. I mean, heck at 17, I wanted to be a rock star. Like that was my plan. I was going to be a rock star and then start a record label. Like I don't need to go to college. For, well, maybe I should go to college and have that smacked out of me. But like I, so now you know did you I mean? want to like, paint it, your face like uh, like Kiss did? No, I okay, never no, got into okay. that. Okay. No, um, you know, maybe maybe grow big beautiful hair like Bon Jovi, but not uh, not. Well, Kiss had that too. Maybe I don't know. Yes. Maybe we'd got in the face painter. Who knows? We never got to that route. Well, this has been a very enlightening conversation. Where can we find out more about you online? Uh, so everything we do as a team is at teachbetter.com. Uh, we're on all the social media platforms at teachbetterteam. I'm on social media. Probably the most place I spend most of my time is on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Gargas, G-A-R-G-A-S. Uh, on Instagram, I'm underscore Jeff Gargas. Uh, most places, that's where I'm at. But everything really, teachbetter.com gets you everywhere you need to go. And uh, I, anyone who's listening, I love – I'm in education. I love talking education, but I love talking business. I love talking entrepreneurship. I love talking marketing and content marketing, social media and stuff like that. So anyone, if you ever want to reach out, I love having conversations. Let's have a, let's have a virtual cup of coffee or bourbon, wherever you want to go. <laughs> well, n- n- my listener, a little inside baseball here. I never, I never script out the episodes and we were going to talk about entrepreneurship, but then we started talking about the teaching and education and I've never talked about that on my podcast. So that's why I just kept rolling with it because I think this is a message that people People need to hear. They need to know it's about the mastery, not the completion of the grade or the assignment or the book report. And so I think this is a message that the world need to hear. So thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it, Jeff. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate it, man. And just before we leave, don't forget to head on over to MrProductivity.com, M-I-S-T-E-R, MrProductivity.com, and snag my top five productivity tips absolutely free, MrProductivity.com. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Struchowski Podcast. Until we meet again, my friend, go be productive.